Hi, I'm Sean O. McCarthy, founding editor of the Comics Comic, found wherever you can type the Comics Comic into your electronic devices. Welcome to Last Things First, the show that asks comedians about the historic lasts and firsts in their lives as their comedy careers have blossomed, from young people's dreams to adult people living those dreams, or still dreaming. Questions both big and small are asked and answered. It's hopefully both amusing and illuminating. My next guest is featured on a new episode of Impractical Jokers, but there's nothing impractical about going from teaching music and theater in Tulsa to the Broadway stage, at least the way she tells it. She's a gifted storyteller who has won the Manhattan Monologue Slam, provides music for New York One anchors Pat Kiernan and Jamie Stelter's live shows at 92Y, sings regularly at Joe's Pub, and has hosted her storytelling showcase sideshow Goshko for the past seven years. So let's get to it. Please welcome Leslie Goshko. <laughs> Are you good? Are we? Hey! Hi, Leslie! Thank you for having me. I'm so. And thank you, everyone who's still here. Thanks for everybody for sticking thank around. You. Yes. Thank you, guys. Are we good? Can if you hear just, me? If you're just tuning in, we're doing our first uh, live editions of the podcast here at QED Astoria. And you're Ooh. doing great. Oh, thank you, Ooh, Leslie. Yes. yes. Now, Leslie, uh, I've known you since both of us moved here to New York in 2007. Yeah. Although, I, as I admitted to you before the show started, I don't know. I did. I didn't realize how much I didn't know about you, <laughs> you until, and, until preparing for this. What do you want to know? Uh, well, let's start with this. When's the first time you came to New York City? The f- oh, you know what? Uh, I was going to say it was the hairspray, hairspray thing, but it wasn't. Uh, when I graduated college, I had a theater degree, so I was working at a bakery from 11 p.m. to 7 a.m. Because <laughs> that's what you do. With that's the what you degree. do with a theater degree. And, uh, so I auditioned for a theater tour. It was a children's theater tour. Okay. And I did that for three months and it, we got, I got put on the East Coast leg. So that was the first time I went to New York. It was part of this. We did went you through. perform in the city or just in the suburbs? We, that one, we didn't perform in New York City. It was more in, in the suburbs. Like, and we went all over. So we would go to grade schools and we okay. had like a PVC pipe stage. Right. And we would do Aesop's Fables. And there was only three of us. It was it was a, it was a very sad tour. But it's putting your it's actually putting your degree to good use. Right I guess away. I got paid. That was my first paid like theater gig. So that's good, right out of right out of college. Yeah, I guess it was like two hundred bucks a week. But did you get to experience New York City at all during that, or or did yes. you not have enough time in between? It was school gigs. It was right over Thanksgiving break when I was in New York, and my cousin lives here. And she was going out of town, and so it was just very fortuitous where she was like, oh, my apartment, uh, she lived right on St. Mark's. It was She had a great apartment, and she was like, oh, we're going to be gone. Why don't you just live in our apartment for, like, four days? So I got to, like, have this kick-ass apartment in the East Village, and I would just go around, and it, it was awesome. What What was New York like for you then? Like, so what was expensive. your first impression? Yeah. So expensive. I went to, a, I remember I went to a, a bar and I was like 20, whatever, very young. And I was like, oh, I'm going to go to a New York bar and I'm going to, you know, be in the city nightlife. And I, I went to the bar and I had like $10 and I ordered a, a gin and tonic and some fries. And I was like, oh, 10 bucks will cover this. Cause I was living in Tulsa. <laughs> I was living in Tulsa at the time. And that covers like your week's rent, 10 bucks. Like it's so cheap to live down there. And so the bill came and it was like, 
I, I, I wasn't going to be able to pay it. And I was like, can you take the fries back? <laughs> like, and I couldn't tip, and I was so embarrassed. And I was like, oh, this is New York. <laughs> you felt very Oklahoma? I felt, well, yeah, yeah. I just felt very naive, I guess. I can't, I can't hear Tulsa in Oklahoma without, without thinking uh, first of... Um... Well, I'm originally from Chicago, so I don't okay, really have... so you're like, not from I don't, No, no, no. So okay. I don't have, like, the Oki accent. Well, then I'll... I, I'll I'll digress from my digression. Well, no, it's okay. I lived there for like seven years, so I was there a good spell. I was good there, a good spell. For, but not a god spell. No, I wasn't. That was I played that in college. Yeah, yeah. So you went to Oral Roberts <laughs> for your theater degree. I did. Which is a different kind of theater. It's no theater. The theater of religion. Yeah, it is. We had very strict guidelines on what we could perform. So, like Godspell was one of the few plays that we could, or musicals we could perform. It was allowed. They it, were, that they were okay. was allowed. But there were a lot of stuff that we couldn't do because it was deemed too secular or too controversial. How do they feel about Jesus Christ Superstar? Oh, uh, we did not do that one. Uh-huh. <laughs> that was a super no-no. But Godspell seems much more hippy dippy. I, don't, I, they, I mean, it's so subjective. That's the thing. It's which is like I feel like religion is a whole other thing with that. And but perception. wait, you said you're from Chicago, so yeah. why? If you're already in Chicago, why you end up in Tulsa? Okay. So here's the short, and I'm not saying this to be like, oh, I'm so great. It's just it just explains what happens. So, I I was an Uber nerd in school. So I was uh, not the car. No. App service. No. Although, maybe that's my next career step. <laughs> so, <laughs> thank you. Sorry, a little late with that one. Sorry. <laughs> that's all right. We're, we're getting, so is my we're Uber driver. <laughs> now I go, hey. now, I, now I only use <laughs> I brought a slide whistle somewhere. <laughs> I like the pink mustaches. But, but now I digress. Okay, yeah, no, so, okay. so you were an Uber nerd. In, I was an Uber nerd. So uh, junior high was salutatorian, mm-hmm. and in, in high school I was a valedictorian, and I wasn't going to go to college because b- neither of my parents did. Like, I have older parents. Like, my parents and are... And if you're valedictorian, you're obviously not going to college with Well, that. no, so it just... No, it just... It, so <laughs> no. that... that Why? Happened. When you've already peaked. You're already number one. <laughs> but I wasn't going... Like, neither of my parents... Like, my parents' age are most people's grandparents' age. Like, oh, they have okay. been very late. So they're that very baby boomer generation. Right. They didn't go to college. They just, like, graduated high school and then, like, got a, a job. Went that they work. Yeah, that was it. So neither of them encouraged me, really, like, to go to college. So I, my plan was to be a secretary. That's all I was going to do. I was like, oh, I'm going to graduate high school and be a secretary because that's what worked for my mom, blah, blah, blah. But then I got... I was valedictorian, and I was like, oh, I work so – and then people started saying, oh, you can get scholarships right. for that. And I was like, oh, I work so hard. Maybe I should do something with this. And I told my mom. I was like, well, maybe I'll go to college. And she said – she was super religious. She was kind of like an occult. But um, <laughs> so she was like, if you're going to go to college, you're going to go to Oral Roberts or you're not going to go anywhere. <laughs> so I was like, well, I guess that's my choice. And uh, so that's where I went. So you're – at Oral Roberts University in Tulsa. Mm-hmm. And at what point do you realize, oh, I don't need to get a degree to become a secretary, so what am I going to get a degree in theater? So I went on a classical piano scholarship. Okay. I went on an academic and a piano uh, scholarship. So you were already musical, yes. musically inclined. Yes, because I used to compete as a kid. So I went... On, on those, and I knew I didn't want to do that with my life because I didn't want to like play in orchestras and I didn't want to be like a concert pianist and all that stuff. 
So I was like, well, I'll just go for the first year for the money and then I'll figure it out. And then about like going into my junior year, I kind of had a whole disillusionment with religion. (laughs) And I was like, I don't believe this. And I wanted to transfer out. Um, But the classes you take there are literally called like one of our gen eds. This is a gen ed. You have to take this. It's called Charismatic Life in the Healing Ministry. That is that's a, part of a general education. That's part of the general charismatic life in the healing ministry. So no other real university takes these classes. So when I wanted to transfer out, I was going to be a junior, and they said you have to start as a freshman. None of these classes are real, right? You know, like our, my classes were Old Testament, New Testament, charismatic life in the healing. Like it, they wouldn't take them, and I didn't have the money. So I was like, so I have to graduate here. I'm stuck. So then I was like, well, I'll switch to a theater degree because at least I want to perform. And that's how you get a theater degree yeah. from Oral Roberts University. Yeah. <laughs> and somehow after that whole experience, you <laughs> fell in love with Tulsa and decided to stay? Because, well, I moved because back you were teaching. Yeah. Well, I moved, I moved back to Chicago, and that's when I got the children's, the theater. children's theater. I did that, and I was dating a guy long distance. Mm-hmm. And, uh, was he in Tulsa? He was in Tulsa. Oh, okay. So he was still I, in school. I, the first love of my life in college, she was from Tulsa. Really? They, that, yeah. they have good people down there. Yeah. They're like, so I went, visited multiple times, spent half of a summer. What in happened? Be- in between my sophomore and junior years, I spent Did it in work Tulsa. Out? No. Oh, sorry. Well, I was young Awkward. and foolish. <laughs> 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 Told you, told you I brought a slide whistle. <laughs> Too late. I'm so glad we got to work that in. Too late. <laughs> so I was, da- I was dating a guy, mm-hmm. and um, I was, I, I just, I didn't have anything else going for me in Chicago. And so he was married to Tulsa. He's like he from come the to, sticks. But he wasn't going to come to you. You were going to. He was still in school. Okay. He, so he had he a was he had a year to finish college. Yeah, yeah. He wasn't in high he school. He wasn't in high school. That came later. Uh, so he was he still had a year. So I was like, well, I'm not doing anything. I'll okay. come down there. Uh, w- moved down there. Got super depressed. Um, and then uh, we eloped. And then I stayed down there. And then I got drunk at a cast party which led to me getting an interview to teach high school. And I got that job, and I did that for two years. Wow. Thank you. <laughs> so when you're teaching music and theater? Yeah. Like choir. High school choir. level? Yeah. It was, okay. it was freshman through senior, and I taught, like, choir and the drama and all that stuff. So when you're doing that, are, are your own personal dreams on the back burner, or are you not even thinking of a, of a personal dream? You're thinking, well... I'm I'm gonna live through these kids now. No, no, <laughs> no, but, no. What um, was your What was your thought process during those two years of? It was teaching? It was really hard because I I had a I had really great students. Like I, it was a really great school. It was a charter school, so everyone who was there really wanted to be there. Mm-hmm. So that was really great. But I was doing community theater, so I would teach. I, I was there from like seven to four, and then I go home for an hour, and then I would do community theater at night. And so I was doing all of that stuff, and but I was still like I was still like really down all the time because I was like, I wanna I wanna like do something. I'm like 20 whatever, and you know I don't want to be stuck in a teaching job even though it was like a really great job and all that stuff. And the community theater wasn't doing 
enough of it for you? No, and, and it got to a point. It got to a point, and again, I'm not saying this to be like, oh, it's so great. It just got to a point though where like I didn't even have to audition any. It's a very, it's that kind of like you get to be a big fish in a small pond, you right. know? It's a small scene, so it's, everybody it, knows everybody. Everybody knows everybody, and so what ends up happening is. You, you don't have to audition anymore. People just call and they're like, oh, I'm going to be putting on this show. Do you want this part? And it's like, sure. So I was so grateful for every show I had and really great people I worked with, but it was also like, like I, I felt like I just reached like what I was – there wasn't any room for me to do anything. So, so how did you hear about the Hairspray contest? So I was obsessed with Broadway stuff because I was really into musicals at the time. And so I was always on Playbill.com, like, every day. And they had this thing that it's like, when Hairspray was on Broadway, it was like, Hairspray for one night is going to have one winner flown to New York to perform for one night and dance with the cast. And so you had to upload a video of yourself dancing to 30 seconds to one of the songs from the show, and it was a national competition, and it was going to be online voting and all this stuff. And this was 2006. Yeah. Look at you with your research. Yeah. So... for for anyone listening now, the technology was much different. Oh yeah. Then oh yeah. It was YouTube's first year, so it's not like. Yeah, it was like I mean I promoted this the whole thing on my MySpace. Like it was like very MySpace. I didn't have a camera. I had to borrow a friend's camera. I didn't know how to upload YouTube. Like I didn't know how to do any of that stuff. So how quickly were you able to from first seeing it on Playbill.com to the decision? Or should say it was Broadway.com. I want to give them credit. Okay, Broadway.com. <laughs> so first seeing the contest details online, how long did it take you from seeing it to making the decision to enter it to actually putting something together and submitting? It was literally like a night because I was when I saw it, I was right up against the deadline. Okay. The deadline was like the n- next day or something like that. So like it was, it was like 11 p.m. at night, and like I called up my friend who lived across town. I was like, "There's this contest. It's the deadline. I don't have a camera." I drove to their house. It was like 30 minutes to get there. Got the camera. Came back. Like came up with a routine the next day. Shot it. Oh, I brought my camera to school. I had to shoot it in my classroom. On my planning period, I had my husband was also teaching at the same school, so. I had him come down, and he's recording me on my plan period, dancing in my classroom. I was like, this is so stupid. Were you in a costume or just your regular clothes? Just my regular clothes, which kind of looked like a costume because I was (laughs) in my 20s and trying to be crazy. Uh, A lot of pop. You were a a music and theater teacher, so you were allowed a little leeway. And I used to shop in the – they would uh, – at ORU, they would have a costume sale every year where you could go into the costume shop, and I bought a ton of clothes from there, so I was still wearing those clothes. Um so th- I just did on my plan period, and I brought it to our IT, the computer teacher, and I was like, I don't know how to upload this. He uploaded it for me and sent it off. Like, I didn't I didn't even know how to do it. And, and at what point – and so you sent it off. Were you aware of how they were going to decide the winner? No, they just say it's a national – it's the entire United States. It's a national thing, and we're going to narrow it down to ten people. And then, like, I just waited. Like, I sent it off, and I just waited and waited and waited and waited. How long? I think I feel like it was, like, a couple, several weeks. Like, the whole contest lasted, like, upwards towards five months. It was a really long contest. Um, and so after, like, several weeks, I found out. And it was like, congratulations, you're in the top ten. And then you go crazy trying to get votes. It's, in, it's insane. Okay, so they pick the top ten, and then it's voting. And then it's voting, then it goes to the top three, and then it goes to the final. And were you savvy enough to – to know how to manipulate online voting? My students were. <laughs> yeah. 
they they did come up to me. Well, the the whole thing with this is you could only get one vote per one email address. So like I was like <laughs> making all these accounts to vote for myself. Yeah. I was like crazy legs eighteen yeah. <laughs> Gmail, you know. <laughs> like I, I have so many email addresses that are like so dead now. But um, and then my students, you know, it's like I work in a high school. I'm like that's a million email accounts. And they told me at one time, they were like, Miss G, we found this loophole. And apparently they found a way to, like, if you backspaced fast enough, you could get, like, multiple <laughs> votes on a thing. And they were like, do you want us to do it? And I was like, <laughs> moral compass, moral <laughs> compass. So they did. And I was like, oh, it's going to be, like, an extra, like, 50 votes, 70 votes. Like, there was a leaderboard online you can go look. And I looked the next morning, and it, it like it should have just been like fraud. Like it was so many votes that they got. It was, there was like it shows like little bars, and I was like it was like Leslie, and I was like oh my god, I was like they're gonna disqualify me. And then they sent out this email. It was like this is hairspray headquarters. The integrity of the competition has been compromised. I was like oh my god, but apparently like other people had found out how to do it too. Right. So they're like we're gonna take everyone's duplicate votes out, and then I made it to the top three still from that, and then eventually. I <laughs> and I and I saw I've seen there's footage of yeah. you being interviewed by the local TV. The, in, they, in the Tulsa. Tulsa World sent yeah they they covered it. The, all. the newspaper and the TV stations yeah it was like covered a, you. It was like a big Tulsa thing. Like I was on the front page of the Tulsa World, like the wig, and they're like, "Local girl makes it big," you know. And they sent they sent a film crew to New York when I won to f- follow the whole thing and, like, video record it Was and that the most attention you had had at that point? Yeah. Yeah. And you know you know what? Even with all of that, mm-hmm. like, even with all that, it was, like, papers and, you know, the, the news stations and all this stuff, I sent uh, the papers to my parents. And when I – after that had all happened – first of all, my parents did not – come to Broadway. They, my parents did not come see me on Broadway. <laughs> my dad Your Broadway did, debut. My Broadway debut. My parents did not come. I called my dad and I told him, he goes, are you getting paid? That's all he said. And I was like, nope. And he goes, <laughs> and then they just never came. But like they, I came home after that like first trip right. and like all the clippings I had sent them were like in the bottom of like a, like they just, I don't, they just, but I'm saying it's like a generational thing. They don't get it. Like, right. I don't know. But it had a huge impact on you. Yeah, that was because, the biggest thing. Because you were, you well, then uprooted I moved yourself out here. and moved here. Yeah. Now. <laughs> I sold every, I, I cashed out my teacher's retirement. Like we had. From two years. From two years. But it was still pretty good. Well, yeah. the cost of living there is so low. Right. So like, we had like a really good savings account and we had, I'm like worried about time for you. Um, and it, we, had, we, we just sold everything. We sold everything. We cashed out everything. And we just moved here. It was either going to be Chicago or here because I had an improv background. So I was either going to go to Second City in Chicago or I was going to come up here and do musical theater. And then when you're like, oh, I'm already on Broadway. This is super easy. Uh, <laughs> I was like, let's move to New York. So we sold everything, cashed out all our money and moved up here. What was your plan? To be famous on Broadway. You're like, I've been on Broadway. Well, yeah. I was like, Here's oh, my headshot. Is, yeah. And I had a black and white headshot that was like very – like I didn't even know. I just didn't know. I just didn't know. How so, how long did it take you to find out that to I didn't know? know. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> any day now. Uh, n- no, I got I just got super burnt out really fast because I'm I'm still to this day not union. So you're just waiting. You're just waiting for hours and hours all day to get seen at an audition, and I just didn't know. Like you know, it's all these like really thin sopranos, and everyone's belting these high E's and F's, and like I don't I don't do that. Like I have now, I'm more comfortable, but like I'm an alto and. 
I can't do that shit. And I didn't look like everybody else. And so I got really burnt out. And so I started uh, doing comedy stuff. Where did you Where did you turn first? Backstage, actually. <laughs> yeah. I've heard backstage is the publication. It is the publication. The it's trade like the, publication. the trade publication. And that was the Manhattan Monologue Slam. I saw that. Okay. And I and I and I'd been doing stand up and improv and all that for years. So I was like, oh well, I'll do this. And then in Tulsa. N- well, no, well, no. I, well, yeah, I did improv in Tulsa, and I did it in Chicago. I did stand up. I go into the city, and I would do it. Okay. Um, and then uh, when I moved up here, I saw that. And I, I did the slam, and I didn't win. But they asked me back. They said, we really, really like you. You should try it again. And then the second time, I won it. Okay. At what point did you did you realize, oh, storytelling is my thing? It's my jam. Here, here's a plug for Cambry and Comics Comedy Club. Thanks, Cambry. So Sarah Benincasa actually had a show called, uh, oh, what was it now? Auntie Sarah. What? Yeah, it's his family time. Yeah, family yeah. So, and it was people just doing comedians telling five minute stories about their families. And I have a super dysfunctional family, <laughs> like a lot of comics do. But like, I had like a supremely alcoholic father, and my mom was like a very zealous cultish person. Um, so I started telling these stories, and Sarah actually was one of the people. She was like, you know, I really like your stand up. She's like, but I really your stories. I really feel like those are good. And then I went to Cambry because I was doing more of the storytelling. And I was like, listen, I have this idea for a show. Would you want to? And she gave me the first start for Sideshow Gosh. Go, thanks, Cambry. <laughs> Ochi's Lounge at Comics Comedy Club. And that's where we did it. And then, uh, and that was seven and a half years ago. Wow. I think, I think, Cambry, do we want to give it, give that clip a try? Oh, God. Which one is it? Do, do you want to try that? Oh, it's, I can't believe you found this. How did you find this? Yes, that's it. <laughs> you must have done some digging. You must have done some YouTube digging. I did some homework. You did, because th- that was uh, that was from a while ago. Although I think I'm wearing my hair exactly the same. A storyteller. Congratulations! Each and every one of us have a unique tale that's just waiting to be told. So let's get started. First off, you'll need to come up with an answer. For when your friends and family ask you, what the fuck storytelling? You can give a coy laugh as you mention such big names as NPR's This American Life or The Moth, when they still don't know what the hell you're talking about. Simply nod and smile. They may not understand you, but you can still base a character on them in your one-person show. Next, you'll need a story to perform. Time to brainstorm ideas. My first blowjob. I sh** my pants. I'm alone. Again. I sh** my pants. The options are endless, but ultimately it's up to you. You're the storyteller. Next, you'll need a show to perform on. You should be aware that many storytelling shows have a time limit for their performers. So whether you're allowed six, eight, or ten minutes, it's important to remember. Time limits are for suckers. And finally, after you've written, edited, rehearsed, and performed your personal tale, bask in the accomplishment that not only have you shared a part of yourself with others, but that you can proudly say, I don't regret having a theater degree. I sh** the pants! OhMyGoshGo.com No, actually, that website got taken over by an Asian porn site, so... (laughs) 
I don't have a website right now, but if you go there, it's a bunch of scantily clad Asian women. That's a different kind of storytelling. That's <laughs> a different kind of storytelling. I don't know why that's the website they commandeered, but whatever. Well, so that was that was that was how you playfully uh, defended the art of storytelling that's five my, years ago. I know that's all my pet peeves about storytelling. I, like that's all my pet peeves when people like when when you give them a time limit and they just like blatantly go over or they're like. You hear like a million like, so I'm fucking this girl. And I'm like, oh my God. Like, it's really just all my pet peeves. Well, how, how has your thought process evolved on, on storytelling and your place within it? How has it evolved? Yeah. Or, or do you still feel, or do you watch that and go, yep. I, yep, I mean, a yep. lot of that is still true where I'm just like, oh my God. You know, but I mean, I mean, I mean, I've been doing the sideshow Gosco for seven and a half years. So you hear a lot of stories. Um, and I just think, I feel like it's kind of like with stand up too. It's, it, you get interested in hearing something that isn't just like the first thought, the first easy joke, the first that, you know, take right. it like five steps further. And those are the stories that are interesting. And, and also with storytelling is a little different. It's like, you know, things that are sincere. Like you, I can tell when a storyteller is trying to manipulate an emotion out of an audience and when they're not being genuine and if they're trying, like when they're trying to get something, no one wants to feel like they're trying Someone's trying to make you do something. Nobody wants that, you know. So, like, stuff like that. I don't know. You just get a little more attuned. I don't really think I answered your question, but <laughs> <laughs> you just you just see a lot of stuff. And I also I also don't. I'm not as cynical about it now. I think I think I'm just like people are where they're at in their craft, which I kind of hate that word. But like, people are where they're at, and you have to go through those steps. Right. You know, like. I, when I was doing stand up, like, I was kind of really shitty at it, and I was trying to be like a Sarah Silverman, swearing all the time and doing all these, like, you know. But I had to do that to get to the next thing, to get the next thing, to do the, my storytelling, which one of my first ones about vomiting, you know, or taking a shit, which is what I make fun of, you know. But you have to get through all that stuff to get to your voice now. I mean, it's just like you have to. You can't make a tree grow overnight, you know. <laughs> but I say I say that jokingly, but it's true. It's a germination process. Well, you also you're doing all these other things, singing, providing music. Yeah. What What gives you the most mm, spark in terms of like your future endeavors? What What's really kind of driving you? Um, I love. I I just love my. I I say this. My my favorite things are. Laughing, drinking, and music. So whenever I get to combine those, uh, thanks. Uh, my AA sponsor, that's who that was. Um, you know, but, like, I do the, I do this thing called an old-fashioned piano party with Leslie Goshko. Mm -hmm. Thanks, Camille's been on it with me a couple times. And, um, it's, I do piano and music, and I also tell interstitial stories. And it's, so it's like comedy, storytelling, and music, and that's, like, my favorite thing to do when I can put it all together. Um, and the music stuff has just kind of come, I don't know. I've been, I'm very grateful for any of the music stuff. It's just kind of fallen in my lap, which has been a lot of it, but it's cool. And, uh, you know, I asked this of everybody, but who's been the best in terms of giving you advice? I was thinking about this when you asked Liam, because I was like, who gave me advice? Um, this is going to sound cliche, but it's for, but it's true. And I think it's for a weird reason is my mom, she knows nothing about the business, <laughs> like nothing, but she knows people. And so at the end of the day, you know, you're just dealing with people. Um, and she gives me very objective advice for being true to yourself and 
really being true to yourself. That's what it comes down to. Most of my crisis situations are, should I do this? I, I should have done that. I should, and sh- it's always like, be true to yourself at the end of the day. And what's the first thing you tell somebody who comes up to you after Sideshow Goshko or one of your Joe's Pub shows and asks you for advice? Oh, God. You know, I had an answer when you asked Liam, and now I can't remember it. <laughs> um, go. Go away. Go away. I can't talk right now. <laughs> Where's my, we'll let you in my dressing where's room. my Uber driver? <laughs> no, I had an answer before and I was like, maybe that's what I'll say it is. Advice. Yeah. Shit. Um, I don't know. I had a different answer, but I, I'm just cause for time, uh, just be like, just be a person. Just be like a fucking mm-hmm. nice person and be prepared. I think that's one of, it's so simple. It's like, just show, like, show up on time. Show up on time is, like, a huge thing. Just be, thank you. Like, <laughs> I can't believe that, like, to this day, I'm like, seriously? Just fucking show up on time and have your shit together, you know? And don't be a douche nozzle. Just, like, do, <laughs> do your thing and do it well and be humble about it and be grateful and just keep working at it i had a better answer but that's that's like my number one thing just be on time (laughs) well let me let me let me ask you this then when you heard that nbc was going to be doing hairspray live for its next musical did you feel like that was right on time for you i saw the casting call for that right and also Derek huff is in it and i'm obsessed with him he's on dancing with stars although not this season anyways um no i saw i saw the audition notice for that and i was like so close, like, but uh, I'm so out of the age range for anything. To like, I don't know. I, like, I, 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 lightning can't strike twice for, for this. Not for me. <laughs> not for this old gal. Uh, I, I, I wouldn't be. Maybe I could play like the matron, like the jailhouse matron, but uh, I, I'm not in that ilk. You're anymore. still twenty, whatever. Yes, thank you. You said it just like I told you to. Um, yeah, but uh, I, I can't wait to see it. Well. Leslie, in case uh, I don't, we don't get to see and hear you on Hairspray Live, would you please uh, play a song? Do we have time? I don't want to make everybody wait. Okay? Do we have time for a song? Yeah, yeah. Close out the show. Bring us on. We have time for one more, one song. Bring, one us, song. bring us on home with a song. It's, it's a short one. Shockwave. I'm sorry, you've already heard this one. Oh no, I love the song. No. We we are all gonna love this song. No. Do I have to? Oh yeah, let me plug you in. That's okay. Okay. Bye bye. It's a short song. Thank you guys for hanging out this late. Hey, now we're back to normal. All right. Uh, I'll just I'll preface this really quick by saying uh, we live in a great time of music. And uh, every once in a while, a great theme song comes along. And uh, I hope this moves you.
through the show. This is an experiment. I'm glad you all are here. Thanks. Thank you, Cambry. Thank you, Camille Harris. Thank you, Shockwave. Leslie Goshko, Leah McEnany, my producer, Alex Brazil, my roommate, Rob. It's for forever. <laughs> 